Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So this week, as my first case of 2024, we are heading down England and I'm going to be telling you the case of Darren and Leanne McKee. Samantha, have you heard of this case at all, Darren and Leanne McKee? No, I think, let's be real, we're going to just start 2024 <laughs> as every other year. That, <laughs> Do you I know what? Know I was actually going to laugh so much if you had said you had, because I hadn't heard of it. And this has probably been, to date, one of the hardest cases to research. I can Ooh. find like hardly any information on it. So there's a lot of things that I would normally do, like talking about their childhoods, but like that is like missing because I really, really struggled to find information on it. So I was really hoping you're going to be like, yeah, I know this case. <laughs> and I was going to be like, right, okay. <laughs> oh man, I wish I did, but absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I'm not going to stop laughing. So yes, I actually first heard of it. It was like a programme I watched. I can't remember what it actually was but it's like obviously like a true crimey you know like my British darkest taboos ones and <laughs> I was like oh right and then I really struggled to find any other podcasts on it any kind of like there was uh, there's not even a Wikipedia page on this so I was really struggling and once I tell you the story you're going to be like why because that just doesn't make sense that there's not so we're going to go back to about 2017 in Cheshire. So Cheshire is a county in northwest England and it's known for its kind of like rural villages of like, do you know, the kind of like red sandstone uh, sandstone buildings and it's quite like industrial and it neighbours to like kind of has more links, neighbours to like Manchester and Liverpool. So it's kind of there, if you know what I mean. I don't think I've been. Um, Hollyoaks is filmed there. If that is, that's my fun fact of the oh. episode. Uh, and it's got a population of roughly 931,000. Um, and obviously, Darren and Leanne McKee live there. Darren was quite athletic. He was tall. He was into sports, such as karate. He was always terrible with money, which is going to be a big part of the story, and was always in debt. He actually spent most of his adult life in debt. Leanne was small, about five foot two. She had long blonde hair and kind of loved all things fashionable. They were known as like a lovely couple with a lovely family. They had three children under 10 and were married for 13 years. Now, they both worked for Greater Manchester Police. Uh, Leanne was a detective constable for the sexual offences unit and Darren was an inspector. So that's really good jobs to have and obviously both quite respectable people with quite a good lifestyle working, good jobs. The family were pretty well off. They loved holidays. They had an Audi, a Mini, and they lived in Wilmslow. So I didn't really know anything about Wilmslow. Do you know anything about Wilmslow before I start? I don't really know if it's common knowledge. Do you? It's quite a well-off area. Yes. So it's, it's quite what, affluent. I know nothing about it. I know nothing about it, but I think with the, your lead up to that kind of gave me, gave yeah. away. So I take no credit for knowing that. <laughs> Yeah, so Wimslow is like quite an affluent town located in Cheshire and it's one of the most sought after places to live in the UK just after central London. So the Golden Triangle, um, which is sometimes nicknamed the Footballer Belt, is an area of affluent small towns and villages in Cheshire, which 
um, the exact three points of the triangle are Presbury, Wilmslow and Alderley Edge. So they three are basically the Golden Triangle, the expensive places to live. So some famous people that have lived in the Golden Triangle, you are talking a lot, like obviously footballers, you've got like Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, um, you've got Marcus Rashford. You've also got Matt Healy from the 1975 which Wait, hey. is, there you go, a bit different. No, don't Not... you mean Denise Welch's son? <laughs> yeah, Denise Welch <laughs> from Loose Women. Yes. Um, or what's his name? Tim Healy from Benidorm. So, yes. Let's, let's go back to 2023 and how they got to Wimslow. So, they moved to Hale in 2013, which is a, a suburban, again, quite nice area. It's not rough by any means. They had, this was like a bigger move for the couple since their last home and this house needed a lot of work so they did spend up a lot of money on it. The couple unfortunately ended up in debt as they spent around 50 grand on renovations and 40 in other debt. This was obviously not sustainable as they were both borrowing off credit cards, loan companies and they had no monies for other things. So they actually had to go to both their sets of parents and they pitched in and cleared their debt which is obviously very lucky. That's nearly £100,000 worth that their parents cleared and went, OK, look, we've paid this off for you. Let's start again fresh. By 2016, however, the couple had ended up back in debt. And in two years, they had ended up with over £90,000 of unsecured borrowing. The couple discussed actually releasing equity on the house. So they were like, OK, if we release equity on the house, we can get this big sum of money. We can pay off our debts and carry on. However, they found out that their house, due to its renovations, had gone up in value. So they decide, OK, why don't we sell our house, pay off our debts and put down a deposit on a new, bigger house? What's your initial thoughts on that? Because I totally... I get it. If I found out, like, do you know, if I went to an advisor and found out that I could sell my house for much more move, that's a really, really exciting thing. But if I was like, okay, in the last four years, we've accrued 200k of debt. I don't think my next thought would be, let's take out more debt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? It's a domino effect. However, however, um, I will say, if my house was worth tons, I could pay off my debt. I wouldn't then be like, right, I'll go buy a bigger house. I'd be like, okay, maybe I'll yeah. downsize, save some money, pay off my debt, pay off that house I'm just about to buy, and voila. But hey, mm-hmm. I could be unrealistic with my expectations. I think you're absolutely right. And like, we are going to get into a lot about money and like, spoiler the McKees, we're in so, so much debt. And a lot of that is because of their spending. They were living with, with without their means, basically. They were not living a suitable lifestyle at all. And that kind of really shows it. Like, they've ended up in debt again, £90,000. And already they're thinking, OK, well, let's take out more debt. So in September... It's a champagne... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry to Please. interrupt. What's your quote? Say. It's a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. Thank you very much. Thank you, Samantha Riley. Come again. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. So in September 2016, they sold their house and they purchased a four-bed detached in Wimsel, where I'd mentioned earlier. Now, they moved to Burford Close and they bought the house for £435,000 in September 2016. And they put down a £135,000 deposit, which meant they still took out a £300,000 mortgage. 
Now, the house needed renovations, so they then decided to move into a rented property, which cost them £1,495 a month, while they then renovated their house. Now, if I'm honest, I don't believe they needed to move out. Like, the house was definitely older. Like, it was definitely, like, not... Like, it wasn't a lovely new house. Like, I think as we're saying, they really love the finer things in life and that's how they kind of like to live. However, I don't believe they would have had to move out to get this house fixed up. Like, I don't think there's actually any Like a mattress, put a mattress on the floor and and get on with life. However, some people, it is quite stressful. So, like... Oh, yeah, totally. But, like, if it was you and I... We'd probably just mattress it and then be miserable, but get the mm-hmm. job done. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know, it, it still was a really nice house um, and it was still a decent amount of size. They could have, like, when I say that renovations need done, it's things like the carpets were an off colour, the walls were like that kind of yellowy, minging colour. Nothing was, the house was livable. So, on the 21st of March, Leanne actually created a home renovation Instagram called Burford underscore home. Now, once you kind of know the end of this story, this Instagram account is still active and you can see her documenting the renovations over roughly six months. Now, the house is stunning. Like I suggest if people want to go and have a look at it, like pause now or whatever, or oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to be looking through it while I'm talking to you so you can stay with me. Um, she like they have done nice like you're talking like a full marble kitchen they had got like bifolding doors like sliding doors out to the back garden so this isn't things like oh we're desperately in this done like they ripped their kitchen out and then put in like a marble kitchen they're creating like walk-in showers they're doing all this quite mental stuff like new windows just so it looks better. Do you know what I mean? Now, she really put a lot of effort into it. And like in some of her posts, you can tell like it was, you know, like this was our kind of pregnant joy. Like she put on the 16th of September 2017 was the day they moved in. And she put, quote, we're in. The menu tonight is Domino's and Fizz. And the last ever post was on the 27th of, September, 27th of September, sorry, 2017, where she said, quote, the scaffolding is down and the skip has gone and render is on. It looks so untidy. Garage doors need to be darker and the outside lights need to be put back on. Think the drive will be a next year job, so a bit of tidying and sprucing up. Shutters are on order and in the meantime, we have paper blinds covering half the windows and look like the clampets. So again, like, it's little things like you know one of the posts sorry I'm jumping between things but on the 10th of August she put a oak post like they got an oak post beside the door All right. which is just literally a piece of oak for like them like an oak post anyway so what I was kind of like summing up for that as I said you're welcome to pause now and have a flick through more there is 91 posts there. She's only got about 14 kind of followers, but that account basically freezes in time as the last post is the 27th of September 2017. But you can see way back from the start kind of how it looked, and you'll understand what I mean when it said it didn't really need to be ripped out. Now, on top of that as well, 
the house advert is still online now i don't know if it's like not for when they bought it but you can actually find the house find the house if you look for houses for sale in burford close winslow now the house it is there i don't know like it's currently for like well it says 475 but i don't know it looks like after their renovations so I think it is obviously since the couple have lived in it. I don't know if this advert is old, um, but as it can basically it'll show you the whole house and you'll be able to see that some of it was still under construction and not finished. But you'll see like the marble kitchen, like the main thing that I'm talking about. So anyway, enough about the house, but the house is kind of a key part of the story, which is why I've gone on about it. Final thing about the house is I just kind of want to go over the, the kitchen. So the granite worktops, the marble worktops, the worktops alone cost £3,570. And the new Guess window... what, Caitlin? Mm-hmm. Do you know that amount of money that you mm-hmm. just mentioned? I would get that if I had a pound for every time you said marble worktops. Right, listen. <laughs> listen, it's a serious part of the case. Enough, but that's the last time I mentioned the marble worktops. But they are nice worktops. Anyway, moving on to the marble worktops. They also got new windows throughout the house as well, which cost just over £5,800. So I'm really going to stop talking about the house now because I'm really fixated on it. But I think it is really showing them as a couple of when you say your house is unlivable, that to me is like there's mould, there's damp, there's things that need fixed up. Whereas that's a very different type of wanting to renovate. And they were getting themselves further in financial problems by spending roughly £1,500 a month on rent. Enough of the house. So end of summer 2017, they've moved into the house and they decide to go on a family holiday. So they go to Portugal on a family holiday, costing roughly £4,500. Nice holiday, but obviously they're then coming back to the same debts. I'm now going to talk to you a bit more quickly about their finances as both their accounts were overdrawn. So the couple, once the time they finished the renovations and everything in the house, they're about grand in debt. And Leanne isn't fully aware. That does also not include their mortgage or any other loans. That's 115 grand of debt. On the 31st of August, Darren applies for £10,000 from the AA, but is rejected. Now, he gets a rejection letter sent to the house and Leanne opens it. And Leanne actually wasn't aware he was applying for more loans and also wasn't really aware of the amount of debt they were in. So she emailed him asking why did he apply for this and he actually denied it and told her it was fraud someone had applied for this loan in his name and he was being scammed so Leanne phoned the loan company told them this was a fraud as it was not Darren she asked them to investigate this and to ask for the findings in writing but when the letter came Darren hid it so Leanne never saw it the same day that he applied for the AA loan he applied for a loan at Fluent Money for £54,000 now this would be secured against their home so this was a joint application. Darren could not apply for them himself. It was a joint application. However, Leanne knew nothing about it. So behind Leanne's back, Darren forged her signature, sent off her passport and payslips. So by getting her payslips, he actually also got the login details for her work computer. So a police computer logged in, saved her payslips, sent them off. It's so, so wrong. He's obviously so desperate at this time for money. Now, Darren also gave the loan company a false email address for Leanne and actually a false phone number for her, which was an old phone that she didn't use anymore, but he kept it in his office at work. He also went on to then, again, continue to fake her signatures. Now, on Thursday, September the 28th, it was morning just after the school run and the postman comes and he has an envelope that needs signed. 
Leanne signs it, opens it and finds her and Darren's passports and a confirmation of fluent money regarding their joint application. Leanne obviously is like, what is happening? And she texts Darren saying, quote, you liar, just got back a loan application with my passport and my name. What the fuck? She texts again saying, I asked you and you promised. Fluent money, who are they? Are we in such a mess? Why again, the kids need new clothes and shoes. What's going on? So going back to the debt again, which don't slag me off, but we're talking about the house renovations. We're talking about all the stuff they're putting money in. The kids need all the new- marble. Shut the kids need new clothes and <laughs> shoes for school and they don't have the money to buy it. So by the time they pay off like their monthly loan payments, they're actually already overdrawn. Like they are in debt. They don't have money once their wages are in. So it means their kids are actually going without new clothes and new shoes. But they're living this lifestyle that if you saw them, you're like, oh my God, what a dream couple. Working for the Manchester Police. Yeah, Manchester, Greater Manchester Police. Um, Lovely kids, lovely lifestyle. Minis in the drive, Audis in the drive. But actually, this is what was happening behind closed doors. So Leanne, and do you know what? Oh, sorry. Can I just say something as yes, well? Yes, of course you can. It's a bugbear of mine is that these companies, loan companies, credit card companies, everyone, every buggery company take advantage of these people of course they do. that are in so much debt already. And it boils my blood, Caitlin. It really does. Like right, people then. that yeah, are in do. so much debt and then people, the banks are like, you can get an overdraft for £5,000. Of course they're going to take it. Like, oh, anyway. Sorry, on you go. It's mad. No, you're the same. It's the same as like gambling companies where it's like Ugh. watching you lose all this money and they're like, oh, put another bet on, put another bet on. Or you're absolutely right. Like my bank, I've got my credit card. It's absolutely fine. And then they'll be like, do you want to have a credit card of 10 grand? You're eligible. And I'm like, no, I don't. But then they'll keep like harassing or they do that thing of we're putting your credit loan up to this unless you phone us and say no. Yeah, so I never you, phone them. I just let them do it. Oh, but again, <laughs> it's like actually, if you were like yeah. someone with a money problem, yeah, exactly. You, it's like you, you don't have to go to. to your bank and say, "Please, can I have more loan?" They're actually saying, "Like, well, unless you say you don't want it, we're giving you it." Yeah, which is and I don't agree with it. Yeah, I'm with you. So Leanne was doing at work at three p.m. that day. She was working about three to eleven, so she wanted to speak to Darren first. She kept calling him, but he wasn't answering. I believe he was ignoring her. At 11.32, Darren texts saying he's coming home. She replies, quote, I'm scared now, which I don't really know what that means. I don't know if she's scared of him coming home. I don't know if she's scared about this loan. I don't know if she's scared because of the debt they are in. And she's actually just starting to realise how much, like, this is going to start affecting her life. Now, unfortunately, we will never know what fully happens next but due to the information we can get from the trial and pathologists we know that Leanne is now murdered at her family home by Darren and her cause of death is unfortunately strangulation. Two bones were fractured in her throat and she had lots of bruising bruising around her neck. The inside of her lips were damaged showing a hand was over her mouth to silence her. A surveyor was due to arrive at the house at 1.30 to value the house due to this loan application so Leanne has been killed at some point between 11.32 and the surveying arriving at 1.30. So let's say Darren kills Leanne maybe shortly after 12. He obviously needs to hide Leanne's body as he can't do this in the house. If you think about it, the surveyor's coming to um, obviously survey the house and to kind of value it. Have you ever been in a house when it's been surveyed? 
well, I've not been in it whilst the surveyor's been in, but shout out to my friend Katie, who's just selling her house. If anybody needs Ooh. a flat, it's on the ESPC right, right. now. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's a great price, beautiful house. No, but anyway, her house is spotless. <laughs> like it is, honestly. So yeah, I have been in there. You can't hide anything like yeah at all. like i've basically my our old house that we rented um the landlord was getting it resurveyed and they come in and they need to see everything they need to make sure the floor plan is exactly what it says got everything offers so darren's aware of that he can't like put her body in a cupboard or put it in the attic the surveyor is going to go in and check so darren decides to reverse leanne's red mini clubman up the drive to the front door and drags her body out during the day and puts her in the boot of the car. He then drives off in the housing estate, parks the car, walks home, and goes through with the meeting with the surveyor. He acts very normal. The surveyor leaves at 2.30, and Darren's aware that he needs to pick the children up at 3.30. Now, he also is aware that he can't pick them up with the mini, A, their mother's body's in the boot, but also because Leanne's meant to be at work. So they'll be like, well, why have you got mum's car? So he drives the Mini into the countryside looking for a suitable spot. Now he goes to Paddock Hill Farm Lane and this is near the Plough and Flail pub where the family go often and he knows that when he goes to that pub there's a deep water nearby sign. So he parks the car there, goes home um, with, so no sorry, he goes home with the Mini first, parks the car on the road again, walks home, picks up his Audi, goes to pick up his children. He actually gets to the school early so is chatting with other parents like laughing, joking, just being the typical dad at the school run. While he is aware that he has just killed his wife and her body is in her car, parked in his housing estate. He then takes the children to their after-school sports, makes their dinner, puts them to bed. And Leanne's meant to be at work, so this is totally normal to them. The kids are like, nothing strange, stuck out that night. It was a very normal night. It's about half past ten at night and the kids are asleep, so Darren goes back to the mini. He leaves his phone at home, walks to the mini, and by this point, Leanne, Leanne's body's been crammed in the boot for a while and is starting to decompose, probably because of the heat as well. He goes back to Paddock Hill Farm Lane as he plans to dump Leanne's body in the water. However, he goes and realises that the water has been reduced due to summer. Like, as you obviously know, um, what's that called? We're in, like, the air... What is it? Condensation. That's it. Is it? So it's, no. Evaporation. Evaporation. <laughs> I was so proud. <laughs> Evaporation. So obviously there's not as much water, so that's not great for him. So he goes back to the car and on his way, he actually drops Leanne's phone out of the car. So he actually hasn't even realised that he has dropped her phone. Now, he's panicking as he knows he needs to dispose of her in deep water as this speeds up decomposition. He is obviously an inspector in the police. He knows this stuff and should be able to deal with this well. Now, he's starting to panic and he's like, right, okay, I'm running out of time. So he decides to go to Poynton Park. Now, Poynton Park is, it's like a family fun park. There's like a children's play area. There's an outdoor fitness centre, a skate park, bowls, coffee shop, football hire, jogging track. People walk their dogs there. But there's also a massive deep, deep lake. Now, Darren parks his car as close as he can to the lake, opens the boot and gets her out of the boot. Now, by this point in decomposition, Leanne is bleeding through her nose and mouth. So as he lifts her, she splatters blood onto his shoes. He drags her about 140 yards onto a path to the water and leaves her in the water. He parks the mini about a mile away and then starts the six mile walk home. 
So the average person walks three miles an hour. So without a walk, you're looking at two hours and it's about 1 a.m. And he's planning a six mile walk home while his kids are asleep at home. Now, on his walk home, I know, I know. And that's when I think, I don't know, I think he's obviously, I don't think he's thought, I think it's, I don't think it's been a premeditated, we'll get onto that trail anyway, but I don't think it's been a premeditated, like he planned to kill her that day. I think it has been like a crime of passion or whatever, but as an inspector, I I did think he would have been able to cover it, but shocker, he doesn't, because I'm telling you this story. On his walk home at 1.30am, two police officers that are out doing like kind of road trafficking, they're kind of looking for burglars in the area, they come across him and stop and speak to him. He tells them that he's on his way home, he's nearly there, and they leave him to it. It's just a man walking home at night. Now, he passes a wheelie bin out for collection the next day on the walk home, so decides then and there to take off his trainers and put them in this bin and then continue walking home without his shoes. Half an hour later, the police see him again, still walking. And by this point, they're very suspicious. Like, we've just saw this man. He said he was nearly home. He's not home because he's still walking. And now he has no shoes. So they pull up again and ask, like, what are you doing? And he says he's looking for his wife. He says she's been in a potential car accident. as she's three hours late home. Now, they said, why are you walking instead of driving? He said he's drunk some wine. But again, if your wife was three hours late home from work, I wouldn't go out walking the streets looking for them. I'd phone the police and say, I think my partner's missing. Now, Darren then tells him he is an inspector with Greater Manchester Police and the officers drive him home, but they come into the house and this is when they realise that the kids are up because they've been left alone for about four hours now. So the son comes down and tells Darren, like, where have you been? And Darren tells his son to go back up to bed and not get up again. And he's got quite a, like, strong demeanour about that, which the police are like, all right, okay. Now, Darren keeps calm and basically tells the police to leave he's like look I'm tired I want to go to bed it's fine I'm not that concerned she'll come back I'll deal with it in the morning so the police are like okay this is weird but they leave Darren puts all of his clothes in the washing machine then and there and goes to bed now six miles away at quarter to four in the morning so at 3 45 at Poynton Lake a man is walking through the park as he got off the bus and got a bit lost after a drunken night out in the town Now, this is when he stumbles across Leanne's body face down in the water. He runs to the nearby road, flags down a car, and they call the police. Now, the discovery of the body at Poynton Lake is put out over the police radio, and the two officers that are out doing car patrols who have just left Darren's hear the message, and they just get this weird gut instinct of like, nah, hold on a minute. I bet you that's to do with that guy. They go back to Darren's and bang on the door. Now, he's obviously woken up. The guy's fallen asleep. This man who has just dumped his wife of however many years' body has gone for a sleep, wakes up because the police are at the door. The officers hear the washing machine from the door, so they push past Darren, stop the washing machine, and they then arrest him. Then and there. Like, that's wild. I'm all for, like, we're normally like, come on, police, what are you up to? I mean, fair enough, like... This woman hasn't even been identified and they're in there arresting him for murder. Like, insane. So the body is ID'd as Leanne and Darren is taken for question and he denies all knowledge, says he didn't do this, puts in a defence saying Leanne was home when he got back. They'd argued, they both drove away in, in, in the Mini and he actually got out and walked home from the argument. 
He said Leanne didn't want to be there when the valuer arrived, she didn't want involved in the loan, and he has not seen her since then. But I just wonder how different this whole situation would be if those police weren't out doing patrols. Like, if they hadn't saw him at that time of night, to be fair, he is an inspector for the police, and that's not that wild a story. Like, if he actually said Leanne was... Like, do you know, he probably would have got done at one point. But if he'd said Leanne and I came home, had an argument about the surveyors, and then she went off out, they probably would have been like, okay. But the fact these... Do you know, the fact those police saw them is amazing. So the trial opened on March the 5th in Crown Court 2 at Chester Chester Crown Court, which unless... I don't know if you know about it, but that's a huge courtroom. The jury was six men and six women, and the trial lasted roughly, sorry, three weeks. Now, the public gallery was actually almost full, and this included Leanne's parents and uh, Darren's parents. Darren showed not a single emotion and never once acknowledged his parents, who sat just a few kind of rows behind him. And he basically had this cool, like, aloof demeanour for the whole trial. Now, I'm going to do this bit a bit differently. I I don't think I've done this before. But they basically, I'm going to tell you about certain days of the trial. So, like things were obviously focused on day one day whatever so I'm gonna there's certain days that I want to pick out to you so like day one of the trial was obviously about the suspected murder but there's some days I want to speak to you about so the most important day for me is day two now this focused on the finances of the couple so I'm going to talk to you about some key bits as as I said to you the couple were in debt but I'm really going to highlight how much debt we're talking now the jury heard evidence of the couple's financial situation from detective constable anthony condon he's an economic analyst at the chester police so the couple had spent on average almost fifty-eight thousand pound a month more than their joint income in the last seven months of leanne's life paying for expensive family holidays to portugal and their home improvements during the eight years the couple spent about thirty thousand pounds on holidays and flights about £70,000 at supermarkets and some of that was 12846 that was spent at Marks and Spencer's food. The couple had a large amount of credit card debt, the jurors were told, and the parents bailed them out to a tune of, as I said, in 2013. They spent £4,500 on their holiday to Portugal in the summer of 2017. By the time of Leanne's death, the couple's credit cards totaled £45,782. They owed the tradesmen doing work on their homes £17,385. They also owed £40,011 of loans and finance agreements, which means in total the family was in £103,178,000. No, I said that wrong. £103,178 in debt, which didn't include their mortgage. So on top of that, and this new loan, if this loan that Darren had got got approved, that'd be 160k in debt, then a mortgage on top of that. You're looking at half a million in debt. That's so rough. yeah. So day six and seven goes over their relationship. Now, as I said way back, they were that picture perfect couple that everyone said they were really happy. They both worked for the police, they had lovely, beautiful children. Liam was beautiful, the house was beautiful, the cars were beautiful, the holidays were beautiful. They were just this lovely couple. But that's not what it's all what it seems obviously the jurors had heard evidence from a cell site analysis so that's basically an expert in tracking mobile phone signals and how kind of darren and leanne had like been during in text messages before her death so the couple had sent heated messages in the november of 2016 so that was two months after they'd sold their home 
and like after they'd bought sorry their house mums and were looking at their rented accommodation kind of thing now leanne described being quote gutted and fed up that they were going to have to uh, that they weren't going to get a fourth bedroom in the move and basically if that makes sense like because they were having to move into a rented accommodation and Darren had replied saying, quote, you hate me. It's obvious from the way you speak to me. Leanne was said to have responded saying, quote, I don't hate you at all. I love you, but I'm fed up. I just feel like I'm arranging everything again with the kids, mum and dad and Christmas. And then I have to ask you if you've done something. I know you've got a lot on with work, end quote. Darren was said to them, sent his wife a message saying, quote, I'm sorry. It's obviously me misconstructing everything you say before adding, you think everything is my fault. Leanne then said that, um, she had been character- characterised by Darren as, quote, a nagging wife and a control freak. And she said, I'm sitting here in tears, fed up with everything. So they kind of had more of a look behind closed doors. And when Darren was asked to describe his wife, like, what would you say if you're doing a prepared statement following your arrest for the murder of your partner? And they said, like, would you describe them? How do you think you would go about that, Sam? Uh, I would say only nice things, positive yeah. things, like bigger up. Yeah, like so yeah, that's what yeah, that's what I would do. So, in a prepared statement following his arrest, he said, "quote I would describe Leanne as someone who would have irrational worries. By this, I mean she would worry about minor things disproportionately or where there was no need to worry. I would describe her as someone who would fly off the handle easily and regularly." I've learned over 13 years of marriage that the best way of dealing with this is just to ignore her and let her burn out herself. End quote. Um, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. He just comes across as an arsehole, if I'm honest with you. He comes across as an arsehole a lot. But anyway, in day nine, Darren then changes his plea um, from murder to manslaughter and pleads guilty to this, meaning that he then avoids taking the stand. On the days summing up, Mr Burke for the defence begins his closing speech, urging the jury to consider whether Leanne McKee's death was a, quote, terrible, terrible accident, end quote, rather than murder. So this is when I'm going back to like, OK, yes, I don't believe it was premeditated. I don't believe that Darren had woke up that morning and thought, OK, today's the day I'm going to kill Leanne. I, I believe that if she had never got that passport through the door, I do believe she'd probably still be alive. However, he still murdered her. That isn't manslaughter that you get so angry you just strangle your wife to death and be like, oops, I didn't mean it. Bullshit. It's still murder. So um, the jury retired at 10.50am on day 13 and on day 14, which was the 23rd of March, he was found guilty that afternoon. Darren was sentenced to life and will serve a minimum term of 19 years before he's eligible to be even considered for parole. The judge said, quote, you have robbed your children of their mother. You have robbed Leanne's parents of their beloved only child. Greater Manchester's police deputy chief constable Ian Pilling paid tribute to the detective and said, quote, Leanne was a hardworking officer who showed the utmost professionalism, supporting victims when they were at their most vulnerable. She worked tirelessly to provide victims with support and get them the justice they deserved. While this hasn't been a Cheshire police investigation, our officers have lost a colleague and a much loved friend. Leanne was part of the Greater Manchester Police family and we will continue to always be there for her family and friends should they need us. We are supporting Leanne's teammates in their grief and will help them in any way we can. We are also supporting those officers who worked with Darren McKee who remain extremely shocked by what happened. 
A moving impact statement was also read out to the court on one of the days, it was a Tuesday, on behalf of um, Leanne's mum, um, Ellen Todd, who had said her family's life, quote, came to a stop after they were told of the murder. She said that the death had left, quote, a huge void in the family, adding, Leanne was our light and our light has gone out. She added that at times she felt there was no point carrying on with their lives and referring to her grandchildren, she said, quote, it's only because of them we keep going. Every day is a challenge. Every day, my husband Ray and I go to bed thinking of Leanne and every morning we wake up thinking about Leanne. They loved her so much and we miss her. Nothing will bring our beautiful daughter back to us and our lives will never be the same again. So that is the story of Darren and Leanne McKee, which, again, this was like 2017, 2018. I don't understand how I really hadn't heard of it. I don't know if it is maybe a thing that was in the news, but because it was more in England. But, yeah, is that where you thought that was going, Sam, or did that take a turn? Um, No, I did think someone was going to die. Obviously, someone was going to die. It's a true crime podcast. But, no, I think it was going to be one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Briefly, I thought, oh, both of them. But, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, as well, though, it's awful. Someone lost their life, and it... It boils down to the fact of money troubles, you know, yeah. like in a way. But they were people that were spending well above their means, you know. Um, but yeah, if you get I, in so much debt, mm-hmm. all these stresses come and does not give you an excuse to murder someone. No, absolutely Let's not. Just put that there. Yeah, but I actually I feel really sorry for her. I actually yeah. don't think she realised. You know, he would have been on a really good salary. Her salary, yes, she worked part time, but. She probably didn't realise, I don't think she realised at all the extent of the debt. And the same as the children. The children have now been left without either of their parents yeah. and have had this amazing grown-up to find out all this now. Like That's who we can have to think of at this time as Leanne's family and her three kids that don't have a mum or a dad now really to bring them up, which is really, really sad. 